Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Special intro for a special episode. Mm. For multiple reasons, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, number one, it's episode 50. We did it. We did it. We made it. <laughs> We're halfway to 100. And it's basically our one-year anniversary, too-ish. Yeah, basically. take a week. Yeah. Um, the other thing, though, that's crazy is that today, on the day that we're recording, not the day this is coming out, this is going to come out like three weeks after this or some shit, but uh, it's the 20th anniversary of the PS2. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Happy anniversary, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, the PS2. You can't beat it. As we've discussed before, it's not a fun pick for best console of all time, but it's like the solid pick. It's the pragmatic pick. Yeah. yeah. Desert Island console? You'd be fucked up not picking up a PS2. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, you know what? Just congratulations all around. Congratulations. Like the end of Evangelion. Oh, yeah. I was totally setting up that audio bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, we are talking about Silent Hill 4 today. Yes. Why not talk about a Silent Hill game on the episode 50, you know? It's like the uh, the accident kid that came at the end of the family, <laughs> and no one really knows what to do with it. Me! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a weird game. I've always been fascinated by it, but mm-hmm. playing it again, I realize that I don't know if I actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a tale as old as time. Silent Hill Four has always been divisive. Yes. Um, personally, I picked it up when it came out. Played it on the PS2. Had a lot of fun with it. Um, I've always been kind of like a long time Silent Hill Four defender. But you would be remiss um, not acknowledging that it has its problems. Yeah. Well, I'm the same way. I got it when it came out. Me and my friends, like our little friend group was like mm. obsessed with this game. Uh, it felt super fresh and forward thinking. And it's different and it's cool. And I've always that's always been my opinion of it and my view of it. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. Going back to it, it was kind of like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I had different, I had different thoughts and I didn't have like the most wonderful experience, but there's a lot mm. to unpack and I don't even know how I feel. I'm going to do it on, on air. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, before we get into all that though, a couple reminders, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to find out how you can sign up to help support the show become part of the crew that funds what we do um and as always we're a game club we tell you at the end of every episode what we're going to play next and you can hop in our discord and bullshit with us about games or movies or music or books or food or whatever uh the discord's great you should join it what's up poland we got a couple polish people in there now yeah, I'm going to keep shouting out Poland because they're our like, number one audience. <laughs> What's up, Poland? <laughs> Love you. Hope to come visit. Yes. 
So Silent Hill 4, let's talk a little bit about like the release of it, both personally and on the larger level, because I think they're, (laughs) they're both really important, right? Yeah. Like the big thing with this game, um, so this game came out in 2004, uh, it was released on PS2, Xbox and PC. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had the PS2 version, but my friend Josh had the PC version and we would go to his house and play it on PC a lot. Very bad port very bad port um there are a lot of mods out there to get it running um i had a lot of difficulty with it and every time i would pick up an item the game would crash Mm -hmm. so your mileage might vary on those pc mods out there but if you can get it running it does look uh fantastic in like 4k widescreen all that goodness yeah i have to say though that this game looks good regardless it does. Yeah. It's a good looking game. Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm playing it. I played it hardware PS2 into mm. a pretty bad upscaler into my computer monitor. And it's mm. still, it looked good. It's probably the best looking game that I've seen on that particular setup. You know, I've only played nice. the few games we've done for this show on that setup. It's relatively new to me and it mostly looks like shit. And I'm like trying <laughs> to, get a better upscaler that's not super expensive but i kind of also gave up because i don't know if that exists uh yeah i have like a cheapo little upscaler um but anyway this game looks really good um it almost has more of like a gamecube look to it where it's sort of like smooth and dark yeah and Mm -hmm. i like that look better and i think that look has aged a little better than some of the real like harsh ps2 games you know yeah, well, there's a ton of film grain and a ton mm-hmm. of like kind of like blurry overlay to it. Yeah, uh, especially in things like cutscenes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. One thing I'll give this game is that it uses those filters really, really well, and they're really dynamic. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like they're better integrated than in other Silent Hill games. Uh, I've always mm-hmm. been fifty-fifty on that kind of element of Silent Hill. I feel like yeah, it always looks cool in cutscenes, but it doesn't always work in gameplay. Uh, but I think this game did it really well. And, you know, classic Silent Hill 4, the character models look great. The facial models, especially pretty like cutting edge realism in terms of facial stuff on a PS2, you know? Yeah. Silent Hill 4 has always had a bit of a weird slash bad reputation ever since the time it came out. And it's Mm -hmm. mostly because of like a rumor slash mistranslation slash just general misunderstanding that this game is not a real Silent Hill game and that they just slapped Silent Hill on it, you know, right. um, yeah. which is super untrue. <laughs> yeah. It was meant to be like a side story to the Silent Hill series. Mm-hmm. It was originally called room 302. Um, and it was supposed to take place in the Silent Hill universe, but they decided during development to make it a mainline part of the series. Right. Even though it still is kind of like a side story. The same way that Silent Hill 2, I would argue, is sort of a side story to yeah. this um, entire, you know, kind of chronology of the series. Yeah, totally. And from what, what I understand of the nuts and bolts of it, it was basically like after Silent Hill 2, during the development of Silent Hill 3, they kind of started a sub-team 
to develop a game that I think would have eventually been released as a Silent Hill game without a number. Like, it, mm. it seems like reading interviews and stuff that it would have eventually come out as like Silent Hill The Room instead of Silent Hill for The Room. You know, right? And yeah. then early in development, they decided to make it Silent Hill Four. After Silent Hill Three shipped, they moved the whole team over. All of Team Silent was focused on this game. Mm-hmm. But I think people were apt to believe the rumor that it wasn't a Silent Hill game because Capcom had been like up to some bullshit and had been doing the opposite for years where they had been taking games that were meant to be Resident Evil 4, for example, and spinning them off into a new series. Or they took Clock Tower 4 and spun it off into Haunting Ground. And so I think Capcom's bullshit like kind of poisoned (laughs) the well for Silent Hill 4. I also feel like the sort of looming sense that Resident Evil 4 was going to come out and change the game which it did also kind of like fuck things up for silent hill 4 well there's another big thing um it's kind of elephant elephant in the room this is the first one that was not directed by akira yamaoka yeah and so a lot of the silent hill purists kind of turned their nose up at it yeah for sure well and it's a really different game I mean, if you just look at screenshots or you watch videos of it, you might not understand. But if you pick up and play it, even for a minute, and you've played all our Silent Hill games, you're like, whoa, okay. You know, like... It's still Silent Hill, though. They just changed some things. I mean, it's so much quicker and snappier and so clearly focused on action and action feel that yeah yeah it's easy to see that it has a different director i do have a list of like differences that i wrote down and how it feels and plays versus you know something like silent hill or two uh silent hill two or three Mm -hmm. i mean for one there's no free roaming at all there's no town of silent hill to explore um you're basically relegated to your apartment and another area at all times. Yeah. It's very linear. Even some of the areas that look larger are still just like a hallway. They're a glorified hallway, basically. Yeah. There's no tank controls. Um, so control feels a lot snappier. Um, controlling what is it, Harry or Henry? <laughs> H dog, (laughs) whatever. H dog. Yeah, no. So this is funny because uh, his name is Henry Townsend, which is the name of the first name of my dog and the last name of my girlfriend. Oh shit, dude. Yeah. So it's like familial ties here. Anyways, (laughs) and yet you still can't remember his name because he's such a generic fuck. He actually looks like the other guitar player in my punk band, The Sissies. Oh, really? <laughs> who's named James. Yeah, there's two two guitar players in that band, and they're both named James. Jesus Christ. This conversation is already going in circles. <laughs> yeah. Time is a circle. Anyways, um, what was I even talking about? Differences. No tank controls. Oh, tank yeah. controls are No gone. tank controls. Um, you can charge up your weapon attacks. So instead of just like smashing the button, you like hold it and smash it. Uh-huh. And so you can do like baseball 
pro slugger type fucking swings. You can do a smash, like from Super Smash Bros. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I've never played Smash Bros. Dude, just he- kidding. Henry, yeah, just- Henry Harry for Smash. When? <laughs> <laughs> Harry would be like him with a beard. So, yeah, like you said, gameplay is mostly linear. Um, you can't really get lost. One big change that most people hate is the second half of the game is basically an escort quest. A huge thing is the limited inventory. Like, god damn it. And they don't let you throw items away? Yeah, you have a item box in your little hub you can go back to. So mm-hmm. b- you can get rid of stuff, but not in the field. And I think the worst is that there are breakable weapons that you it doesn't auto discard and you can't discard <laughs> that's like the one that really pissed me off those fucking golf clubs i didn't even pick them up i was like oh cool a golf club i don't want to use yeah after the first time that i was stuck with it in my inventory i was like oh yeah i'm not picking that up here's a big change there's no flashlight and there's no radio yeah um there is a radio in your apartment that lets you know when spooky things are happening but like it doesn't warn you of bad guys being around yeah, there's like a new enemy type that it basically does. Like your character gets a headache and there's a visual mm. and audio cue. Um, yeah. But you're right. There is no radio, which I don't know. For some of the enemies, it's kind of cool. Like I definitely got uh, scared. I got jump scared by some cats, cat dogs, <laughs> because like they they would sneak up on you and they move really fast. So that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. But overall, I don't know. It, it was what it was. One huge plus is that there's not really any bosses. Yeah. Um, There's, like, one boss room and then the final boss, but there's no, like, big, dumb Silent Hill bosses, which we've always harped on on our previous episodes about how crappy the Silent Hill bosses have historically been. There's still a dumb final boss. Yeah. I call this one a plus, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, But other than that, I mean... It feels so Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, you, just the the way it looks, the f- the film grain, the color grading, um, the pace of the dialogue, the Akira Yamaoka soundtrack. It's just so Silent Hill in every other way. It really feels like an EP between two full-length albums or something, right? It's just like the oddball of the group, but it does really cool things. Yeah. Well, and to make another musical comparison, this has always been my theory about actually the original four Silent Hill games is that they basically align perfectly with the four full-length LPs by uh, the legendary indie rock band Pixies. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you've got the original Silent Hill is Surfer Rosa. Mm -hmm. It's like probably the best, but it's hard to say that because it doesn't have all the elements there, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Then you've got Doolittle, which is like it has all the greatest hits, <laughs> but you also feel like a narc saying it's the best because it's got all the greatest hits. Then you've got Bossa Nova, which is Silent Hill Three. It's fucking weird, mm. and if you're me, it's your favorite Pixies record and is your favorite <laughs> Silent Hill game. Uh, and then you've got the last one. You've got Trompe Lamond, right? Like. Mm-hmm. And Tromplemond is weird and different, and it has no flow from track to track, but it's fucking great. 
You'd be kind of crazy to argue that it's the best Pixies record, but because you've listened to all the other ones so much, it's like permanently intriguing just because it's so different. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about Silent Hill 4, where it's like, I'm always intrigued by it because it feels so strange. Like, mm. it's clearly Silent Hill, just like Trompe is clearly Pixies. It's not a Frank Black solo record, which is what kind of analogous to the rumor about like yeah Silent Hill 4 that it was meant to be a side thing that like people would always say oh Tromplemon's like the first Frank Black solo record no it's not it's a Pixies record for sure but it just feels weird and different but also like I said there are some big gaps I think the big thing with this game like you can tell it has a different director because I feel like this game doesn't really have the flow of older games like even between mm. cutscenes and gameplay scenes or even between different gameplay scenes, like it really feels like there's like no flow, you know? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue with that a little bit because I, I think this game does have some really cool direction. Um, but I, I want you to humor me and we need to go back to this Pixies analogy for a second. Okay. Imagine the end of Silent Hill 3... Heather tells the guy, look, blondes just want to have fun. Uh-huh. And then in the background, you hear the opening chords of Where Is My Mind? Uh-huh. As the credits roll. That would have been cool. No, the, 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 I, I know you said that Surfer Rosa is more Silent Hill 2 or Silent Hill 1, but Where Is My Mind is uh, Heather's wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think Silent Hill 3 is so weird and kooky that I have to think it's either Bossa Nova or it's um, Come On Pilgrim, you know? Mm. It's got big Come On Pilgrim vibes. We've already lost all our new listeners. <laughs> come on, everyone Sorry, likes everyone. Pixies, right? Everyone listening Sorry, everyone. to this show likes Pixies, I think. <laughs> They're all just looking up Where's My Mind. Oh, I heard that in Fight Club. Every fucking movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, true. Enough time has passed. Whereas my mind is almost as overused as like Credence, Clearwater, Fortunate Son. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the fortunate son of the modern day. <laughs> if you don't, okay. if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, you absolutely know the song "Fortunate Son" by Credence, yeah. Credence Clearwater Revival because every Vietnam War movie from the '80s and '90s used it. And it's not even just Vietnam movies. Like, if your movie is, like, set in the early 70s, that song has to come on. It's like they used it instead of a title card telling you what year it was. (laughs) Yep. And I guess, I guess Where's My Mind does that for, like, 1997. Yeah. Even though that's, like, a significantly older song. Oh, yeah. For some reason, it just, like, screams 97. Yeah, because that's when everyone picked it back up for licensing yeah but okay so i guess like what i'm trying to say is that i am fascinated by this game and i probably always will be but i this playthrough i felt like i saw the seams more and i saw Mm. why people don't like it as much as the previous games and as someone who loves silent hill 3 I was kind of like, oh, yeah. Like, I get why I like Silent Hill 3 better than this. Because going into it, I wasn't sure why. Mm, Especially after that yeah. episode, you know? Well, 
so, so here's my take on it. I feel like Silent Hill 4 has some of the best of the series and some of the worst of the series. Sure. Um, we might not see eye to eye on this, but I think some of the direction in Silent Hill 4 is some of the best in the series. Especially in the cutscenes. Whoever directed and edited the cutscenes did a fantastic job. They're so eerie and freaky. Um, I feel like the dialogue is better written and better acted in this version. Um, I mean, it was just really bad in 3. I, w- I was laughing at 3 a lot. Well, see, um, I actually agree that the direction of the cutscenes is good and the acting and writing is, uh, I actually don't agree that the acting and writing is better. <laughs> um, there's some really bad writing in here and there's some really bad acting in here. I actually don't think it's better at all. I take that back. Mm. I do think the cutscenes. <laughs> there's a lot of cool spooky cutaways and stuff and like cutscenes of ghosts and weird, almost like VHS style cutaways I do mm-hmm. think that stuff is all very cool. My argument is that it doesn't feel integrated into the game. And while I was playing the game, that a lot of that stuff felt like it came out of nowhere. Like I would be playing and then suddenly that would happen. And mm-hmm. it's kind of funny because I think for how surreal people like to say the older Silent Hill games are, playing this game made me realize that there's a real like sense of visual and spatial logic to the cutscenes in that game because so much of the gameplay is so cinematic right Mm. that like there is an actual like sense of logic between uh like or as far as how you transition between a really cinematic gameplay scene and an actual cutscene and i felt like in this game a lot of those cutscenes were just coming out of fucking nowhere like mm. and so suddenly you'd be going in and out of these weird cutaways and it felt like you were like reset every time you know and that's the direction thing i didn't like about this game it was really weird and jarring and it made it feel like amateurish another point about the direction that we have to make is that when you're in henry's apartment the game is in first person exclusively mm-hmm. and th- the way the way that handles direction and framing and your attention, I think is really not just interesting, but kind of groundbreaking in a first person horror way. It's so difficult to look at this game and not think of PT demo. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. We got way the fuck ahead of ourselves here for a second. (laughs) Uh, cause it's, we're 20 minutes in and we haven't even talked about the fact that a good chunk of the game is first person. <laughs> yeah. So, the big groundbreaking thing about this game, the big selling point, the hook, whatever you want to call it was mm. that part of this game is now first person. Yeah. And the game essentially has two modes that it flips back and forth between the one mode is traditional silent Hill stuff running around mm. third person combat puzzle solving hitting dogs with pipes hitting dogs with pipes um <laughs> etc the other mode is a first person exploration game there's no combat mm-hmm. although you can take damage um mm-hmm. and it's basically pure exploration puzzle solving etc and it's all set within a small one bedroom apartment yeah 
So And it's fantastic. Yeah. And this was why I was so fascinated by this game. Because and here's the thing, this is why I was I guess I was trying to get around to this point earlier and then I got super derailed because I started talking about the Pixies and like <laughs> fucking predictable as shit, right? But my point was that <laughs> me and my friends were so fascinated by this game because at the time that this game came out, there was this energy in the air uh, that was making everybody wonder and try and find what the future of horror was going to be, right? Hmm. So we were a good four years and change after the Blair Witch Project. And in the world of horror movies... I mean, to us, just being like teenagers, the Blair Witch Project was like God. Like, it really felt like that was going to... Not that it was our favorite movie or anything, but that we felt like that was going to be the future of horror. And we even actually tried to start making found footage horror movies. My same friends and I who are obsessed with, like, Silent Hill 4. Um, Yeah. And, like, in video games, I think that energy was starting to percolate as well. So when this game came out... I mean, it really felt to us like, holy shit, this is going to be like the future of horror games mm. more than even like Resident Evil four, which kind of actually ended up being the more in some ways, you know, I mean, this game, my take on it was that this game is actually more forward thinking in some ways because it did actually predict what now I think is the, the kind of uh, main genre of horror games. Yeah, I mean, first-person exploration horror is just, like, it's kind of the standard now, really. Yeah. Um, We don't see Silent Hill clones. We see first-person horror exploration games, like, one a month, you know? Yeah. Always coming out. Or, like, if we see a Silent Hill clone, it's marketed as, this is a Silent Hill-like game, whereas, like, a first-person exploration game is just, this is a new horror game, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But... So it was interesting to go back and play it because once again, I think that I liked those parts of the game. Mm -hmm. They were cool. But once again, I was less impressed with them than I was obviously in 2004, Hmm. but not really because of those parts themselves or the content of those parts. Um, It was mostly because I felt like the flow of it was just broken up in a bad way by the other hmm. gameplay segments. Like, yeah, well, the flipping <clears throat> back and forth. I do want to get to the other side of that coin, but you know, just, just lingering on this first person on the first person segments for a little more, like in terms of direction, they're really interesting because, you know, this is a big theme in the game, but Henry is locked in the room and he can't escape. So his only interaction with the outside world is basically being a voyeur. And so you can look out of his windows and it's very much like Hitchcock's rear window in terms of, you know, even just like the layout of his apartments and how he can look into his neighbor's windows and things like that. Um, But also you can look through like peepholes and spy on your neighbor Mm-hmm. Uh, who is a woman, uh, which gives it like this really weird, creepy, intrusive vibe. Super uncomfortable. And and yeah, I just think the the way that it puts you in first person and puts you into those situations is just kind of like masterful direction. 
Yeah, I agree. I think these parts are really cool. I think, though, that in my head before I started playing it, what I really liked about these parts was the way that the apartment degrades over time. Mm-hmm. Because so basically in the first part of the game, these sections are like a hub world. So they're like your refuge. Yeah. So the setup of the game is basically this guy wakes up one day to find that he's locked in his apartment, both physically, mm-hmm. but also kind of metaphysically like he seems to be in a different dimension when he bangs on the door. Even if someone's right outside it, they can't hear him. Right. Um, and so he's trapped in his apartment and one day a hole appears in his bathroom that he crawls through. Uh, mm-hmm. And through that hole, he can visit different weird, creepy silent Hill, other world type locations. Right. So in the first part of the game, the apartment is your hub world. There are portals back to your apartment throughout the various areas um, you can go back and forth and when you go to your apartment, your health is replenished. You can use your item box and you can kind of see what's changed in your apartment. And you get some chalky milk out the fridge. <laughs> yes. And you can do that as well. <laughs> For some reason. Smile on your neighbors a little bit. Yeah, exactly. For some reason, the, I saw you type the phrase chalky milk in the discord and something about it just hit me the wrong way. I was just like, Ooh, I don't like that. <laughs> baby yoda likes chalky milk you better like chalky milk uh dude i don't fuck with no chalky milk wow i have listened to that pp song probably 25 <laughs> times in the last 24 hours it's your new ringtone i mean it may as well be man i can't stop listening to it holy shit Ain't gonna pp your bed tonight <laughs> uh excuse me it's pronounced i aim gom bb okay <laughs> say it right <laughs> Oh my god! The little maniacal dance. Yeah. Oh yeah, just that little kid don't know how to move your legs kind of dance. I love it, dude. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, what? <laughs> what? So that's how it works in the first half of the game. In the second half of the game, however, it becomes haunted, and so it sort of becomes like an item management mini game to keep it free of hauntings if you can. And eventually you can't. Everything gets more degraded and fucked up. And it also stops healing you when you Mm -hmm. go back. So it stops being kind of a hub world and starts being more of like another obstacle you have to go through between other worlds. We'll get into this later because I think when that happens, it kind kind of completely destroys the pacing of this game. But the first half of this game has um, a sort of chill gameplay loop, right? You'll you'll travel through the hole in the bathroom to a Silent Hill hell world, do some exploration, unlock some doors, get some items, and when you get beat up, you travel through the hole back to your apartment, heal up, you know, throw some items in your item box, save your game with your notebook on the table. And then jump back into the hell world when you're ready. Yeah. Uh, that gameplay loop is pretty good through the first half of the game. Yeah. Um, oh, this brings me to a point. Um, this game is kind of hard to get into for first-time players. I wrote up a, a, a top 10 hot tips guide in our Discord if yeah. you want to look it up. Uh, yeah. Use keyword 
hashtag better than sh3 and you'll find it shut up (laughs) (laughs) well so the thing about this that kind of bugged me was that i think that as the game goes on and the apartment gets creepier and more haunted it's cooler like Mm. i really liked how things degraded and i thought it was very cool and it was satisfying to watch but number one it takes forever and so i feel like the mid-game apartment sections are just kind of boring or they're really fast and you just sort of skip over them and then the late game sections are more satisfying like visually and aesthetically but then they're so difficult gameplay wise that they make you not want to be there yeah it's just stressful and it's like i wish they could have found a middle ground between having it be this cool looking degraded place but also just letting you walk through it without having to like fight because eventually you basically have to fight even though there's still no com like direct combat yeah well so in in the first half what i do appreciate is that there's a lot of indirect world building in your apartment yeah like you can turn on the radio and listen to uh, news stories. Yeah. Or you can look out your peephole and kind of listen in on people's um, conversations in the hallway. Yeah. Or the same, you you can you can peep on your neighbor Eileen's conversations in her apartment. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get mysterious notes slid under your door, or you or you'll discover things in your apartment. Yeah. And I think just it those types of things in terms of like atmospheric and lore storytelling are so interesting and i feel like a lot of people can miss them if they just skip the apartment sections yeah which is a real shame yeah and i think there's some cool like metagame puzzles hidden in here like Mm -hmm. there's one where you have to store an item in the item box in order to leave the world that you're in or like there's one yeah. where you can look out the window and see a phone number you have to call you know mm-hmm. and stuff like that i think is very cool i think that's the best integration of the two halves of the game i just mm-hmm. sort of feel like these parts like i said earlier these parts aren't as impressive as they used to be almost not in and of themselves but just because they feel not as deeply integrated as they did when i played it before it's cool though like it's i'm not i'm not arguing with you that it's cool i think in terms of trying to revitalize a series or do something different it's super cool and it's way more interesting than something like resident evil 4 right like sure i almost have the opposite relationship with resident evil 4 where it's like i know this game fucking rules but it has no mystery to it it kind of never did and now that i've played Mm -hmm. it so many times i'm I never play that game. <laughs> like, I know we're going to have to cover yeah. it for the show eventually. I'm just kind of like, okay, cool. But like, fuck, I've played that game like a thousand times. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how this game just packs in atmospheric storytelling. I think it does even better than, hate to say it, SH3. Um, one and two have a ton of great, you know, atmospheric background storytelling. And I think 4 does that really well, especially with the introduction of the, our new antagonist, the serial killer, uh, Walter Sullivan. Um, there's, just, there's just so much great lore about him, his childhood, his victims, um, where he lived, 
there's, there's just so much great stuff about it that if you don't dig in, you can miss a lot of it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, every every ghost in this game has a backstory, and I just love it when games do that kind of stuff. Well, and I think detail is sort of what this game does best. Mm. I mean, the whole plot of this game is sort of based on, like, as far as I can tell, like a throwaway note from Silent Hill 2. Like, sort of, yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah. clearly it's detail-minded, and you're supposed to pick up on little things like that. So I think that's kind of the strength of the game ultimately mm. you know or yeah like the idea that you're supposed to look out your window and look through holes and and pick up these de- environmental details so that you understand characters a story better it's that's yeah. kind of what the game does well um it, it was interesting looking back at old reviews of this game because critical reception at the time was actually like super positive and it really seemed like it was like more of the fan base that was more divisive about it. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, there were some things that like most people agreed were a negative, though. Like the ghost bad guys, they're basically invincible and they're super annoying. Uh, most people just hate the ghosts. Yeah. Um, but the atmosphere, like across the board, gets high praise. Um. Not being able to drop items was also a big negative, which I feel like is like a real pain in the ass. Um, Yeah. But yeah, uh, critical reception was real positive. It seems like um, it's more that the community is divisive about this game. Right. Well, and I think a good way to understand that is to talk about the other half of the game, the not first person <laughs> half and what's different there. Because I think you start to get a clear picture of why people might not be super jazzed on this game. Yeah. Well, so it, it kind of has like a bit of a nightmare on Elm street vibe because every time Henry comes back from the hell world to his apartment, he wakes up and um, in each one of these ev- environments that he explores through going through the hole, he meets one other human person who lives in his apartment building and they all keep dying in his dreams. Yeah, totally. And so like we mentioned earlier, the structure is basically you go through the hole in the wall, you end up in a new area, you explore as and accomplish as much as you can you go back to your apartment um do what you need to do go back out most of these worlds i'd say are roughly broken into like two parts uh Mm -hmm. sometimes going back will deposit you in a different area than the one you left um there's a real like dream logic kind of broken uh flow to it that is actually pretty cool but yeah once you go through the hole, you're in like basically a normal Silent Hill game, you know, except you can't save. So you can only save in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're just kind of up to your normal bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there's six other worlds and they actually call them worlds. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Subway World and Forest World. Yeah, totally. Um, but they're not linked together. The only link is through the hole in your apartment. Yeah. And later this like 
crazy spiral pathway. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're completely separate, different geographical locations. Some are close to Henry. Some are in Silent Hill in a completely other town. Like the first world, Subway World, is literally outside Henry's window. He can see the subway station it's from just his like window. It's just like empty and scary. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the feel here because the feel is what really makes this different, right? So like we mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, these areas are really linear. Like they're very cramped and linear. Um, There's usually one or two progression puzzles yeah. to get you through it. Yeah. And I think they do a good job with the architecture of not making it feel like a bunch of hallways, Mm. but functionally that's kind of what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's just super linear areas and they're full of enemies. There are a lot of bad guys in this game. There is so much combat. You're going to be clubbing a lot of puppy dogs, a lot of cat dogs, (laughs) a lot of cat dogs. (laughs) uh and it's i don't know that was something that i remembered about the game and that was a big criticism Mm. that at the time you know but it really kind of bugged me this time more than it used to like there's a lot of cool Mm. areas with cool atmosphere that are then chock full of enemies you're clubbing down like four to six enemies at a time in certain areas Yeah. yeah there's a lot of time waster enemies well so in the first three games i was the kind of player that would take my time and club the shit out of anything to death just so if i missed something and i backtracked i wouldn't have to worry about bad guys Uh i would literally just stand in the corner and club all the nurses to death essentially okay um so in this game there's just so many bad guys that you know, one, eventually you're just going to get hit a lot and you're going to have to warp back to your uh, apartment. Yeah. But two, there's just so many of them. It just takes forever to fucking club these things to death. And then three, some of the enemies just cannot be killed and you're going to have to run regardless. Yeah. So I'm the type of player that I would always avoid combat. So Mm. this is like super annoying to me. And that's why I like Silent Hill 3. I thought Silent Hill 3 was designed around running from enemies. And this game is Mm. designed around fighting them. It seems like a small distinction, but it's actually huge. And Mm. the thing, the other thing that bugs me, right, is that you're meant to fight so many dudes. Okay. That's one thing. But then Uh the two big additions to the enemy roster in my mind here are enemies that you can't really kill or are super hard to kill, right? Hmm. So, number one little thing is the gauntlets. There's in multiple parts of the game, there's like hallways where dudes pop out of the walls. Oh, and they're like yeah. connected to the walls, and I started to think of these as just like gauntlets you have to run through. The fucking escalator yeah. in Subway World uh-huh. is literally the worst part of the game. Yeah. But then they do it again later. Yeah. Well, you get to it within the first 30 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Like, who decided to put this in the game? Right. But so that's like a design choice that seems to be really at odds with the idea that like you should kill everything you see, although you can kill all those guys. It's just weird. You basically have to on this. So, okay. So we, we've talked about how the second half of the game 
you have Eileen with you, uh-huh. and you know you're basically escorting her through all the stages. Right. You have to play each world a second time all the way through. Uh-huh. And the second time through Subway World with Eileen, if you don't kill all those stupid bad guys in the fucking escalator, you're going to have a hell of a time. Yeah. You basically have to. Yeah. And and it's a fucking nightmare. And it's really hard. And it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, why would you do this? Similarly, some of the enemies, like I said, they just feel like time wasters. There's these mods. Yeah that like yeah. are really easy but they take forever to kill and while you're doing it you're just like I can feel my life passing me by you know yeah yeah the little mosquito bird thing fucking hell they're just a nightmare also I live in Minnesota which famously has really bad gigantic mosquitoes like I've already done this in real life <laughs> I don't need to do to do this in a game um, sure. I mean the saving grace of this before I get to the other big thing and it's a way bigger thing The saving grace of this is that on a mechanical level, like the combat and movement and everything in this game is better than the rest of the series. Like, sure. There's no arguing that. I mean, the combat is smooth. It uses a lot of like auto aim and stuff that is pretty good. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when there's a lot of enemies on screen, it fucks off on you. And then you kind of are just fucked. But I don't know. Like it, it was just such a push and pull. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, this combat is way better. And other times you're like, but this enemy design and this scenario design sucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you'll just walk through a door and there will be like six bad guys in a row ready to be bludgeoned to death. Yeah. And it's just wholly unnecessary. Yeah. You know, I played this game through on medium. Now that we're talking about it, I'm wondering if it's more tolerable on easy. Guess what? It's not. (laughs) Oh, really? Same number of bad guys? Yeah, I mean, they take less hits, so it is, like, Mm. easier. But it's still too much. (laughs) It's still way, way, way too much. I mean, yeah. And and this is, like, my big thing with this game. It's kind of the same with, like, the apartment in the second half of the game and the combat for most of the game, where it's, like, they kind of ruin the horror by loading Mm. up the game with combat. And by loading up the game with like stuff you have to deal with like I don't Mm. think it adds to the horror even like the only time I got spooked by enemies was like when a cat dog snuck up on me and that was (laughs) in a room where there was only one you know well I I think there's some really unnerving parts where you're like alone with a ghost and when you're around a ghost like the screen starts to get really like pixelated and distorted well and we should talk about what the ghosts are because that's the other big thing they added before we get too deep into this like let's talk about these unkillable bad guys the ghosts thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness you can also find and interact with us on facebook instagram and discord all the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So the other big addition to the enemy roster are ghosts that you can't kill. Right. So there are five items in the game called the Sword of Obedience. 
that you can find and you can use them to pin ghosts to the floor permanently. But if you take the sword back, they get back up and just like haunt you incessantly. Uh, they float through the air and just kind of chase you wherever they are. Uh-huh. And um, regardless of like your elevation or if you're like running up and down stairs or just down hallways, the ghost will incessantly chase you and um, basically like pick at your health bar slowly until you die. It's probably best to just run from them at all times. Yeah. But some of the ghosts are significantly stronger. All the ghosts are the victims of the serial killer Walter Sullivan. But um, all the characters you meet through the game that get killed end up becoming sort of like mini-boss ghosts. Yeah. And they're quite difficult, and they're hard to pin with the sword. Yeah. And you get some other items to deal with ghosts, too, like an amulet that can ward them off and things like that. Yeah. But... I don't know, man. I did not like this at all. I don't think mm. like, so I agree with you. It's kind of cool. There's like some visual and audio effects when the ghosts are near to you. It kind of heightened the tension, heightens the tension a little bit. I think the visual effect of them coming out of walls, which you see in a cut scene and then later in your apartment is really cool. Mm-hmm. But I don't, they're not creepy looking like out in the world. I, they hmm. look like to me just like bad character models. Really, I didn't think they were scary. Uh, I especially thought the first one was creepy. Um, the The first victim that you meet in the game is uh, Cynthia. Uh, you meet her in Subway World, and she gets murdered. Yeah. Later on, she comes back and she haunts you as kind of like a Ringu lady. Yeah. And her hair does this like creepy, snaky animation. And she'll, like, slide across the floor like a snake and pop up. And generally, like, super unnerving and creepy to me. And then there's another one where, like, the guy is, like, perpetually on fire. Yeah. Creepy as fuck. Well, those ghosts are cool. But there's, like, hella other ghosts in the game. Yeah. There's, well, the serial killer, you know, he's trying to get to 21 victims yeah so there's yeah there's a ton of ghosts you see the first ghost in like the first level yeah yeah totally oh there's two in the first level yeah, yeah. so i agree there's like marquee ghosts that are very cool yeah. and i thought that aspect of the game was cool and you like have to deal with them you get like an item supply to deal with them but then there's all these other ghosts in the game and like they're super annoying and like you walk into a room and suddenly your screen turns red and you're taking damage and you're like, Oh fucking shit. Like there's a ghost in mm-hmm. here. And it almost like took away from the horror of like the cool ghosts later. Cause I had already just been frustrated with them. Just running. Yeah. And also the fact that it's all just like item based, it's an item management puzzle to deal with the ghosts and item management is not fun in this game. <laughs> and yeah. Or you just run the whole time, which is, you know, it's its own set of problems. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I think that it's an interesting concept. It was apparently a concept that was considered for Resident Evil 4 that they discarded. And seeing mm. it in this game, I was like, oh, yeah. I totally get <laughs> why they didn't do this because it, it once again, it's like all the different elements of this game kind of feel incoherent. Like Mm. the ghost part of it, 
doesn't totally cohere with like the smacking moths in the face part of it, which doesn't <laughs> totally cohere with like the room part of it. I don't know. I mean, I didn't love it. <laughs> I don't love the ghosts, but they do raise tension a lot. There was a point. So I didn't. So you can get five of these swords, and if you pin down certain ghosts, they won't show up later in the game. But some ghosts I found very difficult to pin. I couldn't pin Cynthia for the life of me, and I tried several times. Yeah. So I just ran from her. And the same with the other ghost that was on fire. I just ran from him because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. But then later on, they show up in, like, the same alleyway. And you have these, like, two or three, like, boss ghosts, like, chasing you incessantly. And the tension is just so high at that point in the game where, like, okay, I, I can't even stand here without being attacked. And if I go to my apartment, my apartment's fucking haunted, so it'll kill me. And I have, like, literally nowhere to go for refuge. Yeah. And, but it sustains that kind of, like, stress and tension for too long. Yeah. Um, that I feel like it just becomes a slog towards the end of the game. That's my problem with it, was that I just felt like it was annoying. And so it's like yeah. tension can just turn into annoyance really yes. easily. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game is just always on the line and it's going to be up to your tastes and games as to whether or not it's just annoying or whether it's tense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's... So, yeah, well, the game is in two halves. You know, the first half is pretty chill because you can always go back to your apartment. The second half, you've always got Eileen with you for one, and she can take damage. Yeah. That determines your ending. And also, you can't heal at your apartment anymore. And there are fucking ghosts everywhere. Yeah. Um, the level of tension raised halfway through the game makes you feel like you need to, like, rush towards the end. But the game just keeps going and going. Yeah. Um, to where it's like, oh my god, where's the end? You know? It feels like one of those dudes, like, uh, you know, they, like, drill a hole in the ice in a frozen river and, like, jump in and try to, like, swim to another hole. But they miss the hole and they just keep swimming and they're going <laughs> to drown. <laughs> That's how it makes you feel playing this game. Yeah. So, yeah, like, the whole last part of the game is making you go through all these environments again. But now with someone you have to escort and... It's mm-hmm. big why. Like, I get the concept because now there's ghosts and now you have this vulnerable person and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. It, uh, yeah. The first. And there are some areas where the, the serial killer, Walter, is stalking you too, yeah. also. Yeah. yeah. It's just like. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the first part of the game is more intriguing, you know? Mm where you just yeah. like don't know what's going on and you're trying to figure it out. And the game does have like a pretty good kind of slow reveal in the plot. Mm-hmm. But I'd say about halfway through, it's just like, okay, well, do you really want to commit to this? Cause this is a lot of work. Yeah. But then there's so, so many great moments in the second half. Um, just notably, I was thinking about, um, there's a world called building world, which is kind of just like a, this weird mess of buildings stuck together nonsensically. Yeah. But um, you go into a pet shop and exit out the other side, and there's a, a piece of newspaper on the ground, 
And if you read that note, it tells you how the serial killer murdered the pet shop owner. And as you as you close the menu from reading the description, you hear a bunch of commotion in the pet shop and like gunshots go off and stuff. You walk back in and the pet shop's in like complete disarray and there's like blood everywhere and it's just such a great moment. And this game's got probably like a dozen of these like amazing moments. And oh um, yeah. I just feel like they're like lost in the tension, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, even like um the yeah, every world has some crazy moment, you know? Mm. Uh, like in the forest world, just the first time that you walk up to, uh, what's his name? The weird guy, Ed Gein, Jasper, yeah, Jasper Gein. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, like the first time you walk up to him, it's such a surreal scene. It's like this little clearing with two giant creepy rocks. Yeah. uh, Which if you investigate, it just says there's something creepy about this rock. Yeah. I appreciated the forthrightness. Uh, Indeed he's just sitting there and like you can talk to him, but talking to him doesn't start a cutscene or stop you from being able to move. And he like talks really quietly and Mm -hmm. it's just like such a weird moment. You're like, what is going on? Or like there's a prison area that just slowly gets darker and darker and darker. Where like Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're in a prison and you walk into a cell that has like a noose and you're like, Oh, that's fucked up. But then, like, you find out that it's actually this weird, like, prison for children. And they yeah. can, like, rotate all the cells to make people fall down body shoots and stuff. And it's like, yeah, what? Like, as you slowly unravel what's going on there, it's like, this is fucked. Like, what am I even playing <laughs> right now? But, like, yeah, those moments are all awesome. And they're really, like, disturbing and creepy. But there's just so much, like... There's so much just chaff in between yeah. there. You know, there's so much stuff that you have to deal with in order to get to those moments that I guess on this playthrough, I don't know if it's just I'm older or I just didn't have the fucking time this week or what, but like it really bugged me. <laughs> well, and you know, I think as we get older, we have less like bullshit tolerance, you know? Yeah. And I don't appreciate when games don't respect the player's time. You know, things like that. This game and, you know, super does not respect your time. What it really boils down to, I think, is that Silent Hill 4 is a six and a half hour game. It could easily be four hours and be so much better. Yeah. Um, SH2 is a four hour game. Nobody's faulting it for only being four hours long. Yeah. I think, you know, you know that's what I keep coming back to is like that game is just so tight and in, in the... Yeah in the structure there's no mm-hmm. wasted time which is crazy because you wander quite a bit but sure the wandering is not wasted time you know absolutely but like yeah. in this game it feels like it's much more linear but also full of wasted time <laughs> yeah yeah well let's I, I think we should talk about these areas a bit and yeah. maybe just talk a little bit about the story as we talk about the areas. Yeah. Because they kind of tie in together. For sure. Each area is, you know, tied to one of um, Walter's future victims, right? And all the victims are people that, like, live in your apartment building, from what I understand. Yeah. Well, and the setup of this game 
is super cool. And when you take a moment to think about what's going on, it is cool. I think that sometimes it is easy to get lost in the game because there's so much going on. Like there's so much nuts and bolts stuff and there's so many notes and ideas and stuff throwing around. But like the basic premise is cool. I mean, the game is clearly even more inspired maybe than previous installments by like these classic horror movies and books. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like a big Lynch thing going on here. Oh yeah. You know, very David Lynch, the whole, all the scenes of like him crawling through the hole with like the weird old timey filters on it. It's so like eraser head. Like Mm -hmm. it just reminds me of that zoom into the radiator, you know? Oh yeah. Totally. And you know, obviously I think the Hellraiser stuff is really strong in this game. I mean, I know that was a big influence on the series originally, but like, the kind of Jacob's Ladder and Hellraiser style of um, kind of industrial horror, American industrial horror. Sure. And I mean, it's it's hard to not mention Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Because Walter Sullivan is essentially just a supernatural serial killer, very similar to something like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And I, I think all that stuff is really cool. There's also a really interesting kind of like time loop component because yeah. you're kind of living out an echo of events from the past. You're also sort of in another dimension where like you see people in your apartment building, but can't interact with them. And then you see them in the hellish other worlds and you can in- interact with them, but you can't really save them or do anything to help them. Mm-hmm. And like that aspect of it is super cool. Uh, they were also apparently inspired by Coin Locker Babies, the Ryu yeah. Murakami novel that I always talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on my Amazon wish list. I'm <laughs> getting there. It's so good. But yeah, like I think that the basic idea of this game and the idea of the scenario is like mm-hmm. really, really, really cool. And there's some really cool stuff here. Yeah, well, what do you think about Henry Townsend being so much of a complete blank slate of a human being i i think it's fucked up like i don't like it i think that there's actually a general i think the character design in this game is bad that Mm. goes for the protagonists the antagonists and the enemies i think Mm. the design of everybody in this game is bad like they're all just super bland and like mm. so obviously okay you've got uh you've got h dog right like <laughs> he's so bland he's so blank his voice is just so boring and you're just like okay i don't care about this guy right <laughs> and then you've got all the people from your apartment building who i don't know like they're also really bland but in a different way because they're all stereotypes like You've got, like, the sex pot lady. You've got the middle-aged businessman. You've got, like, the other middle-aged businessman. Cute girl next door. And then you've got the girl next door. And, like, uh, you know, and then you've got, like, the kooky guy. I don't know. None of them have much of a personality of their own. And none of them are that compelling. That's another thing that reminds me of A Nightmare on Elm Street, though. Because you need that, like, cast of, like kooky teens you know what i mean but who did nightmare on elm street have uh the dream warriors (laughs) 
No, who's the character from Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, like the protagonist? <laughs> no, dude. Fucking Freddy Krueger. But yeah, Walter Sullivan is the Freddy Krueger here. Okay, this is the other problem. The enemies in this game, the enemy design in this game sucks. There is no Freddy Krueger. Walter Sullivan is not a cool character. He looks exactly like uh, Vincent from SH3. He says a lot of weird stuff, but he doesn't really have any style, flair, or panache. I mean, like, Mm. he's not an interesting villain. And then the monsters are the same way. There's one great piece of monster design in this game, which is that ostrich with two heads. Like, fucking hell. That thing scared the shit out of me. And that thing rules. Everything else in the game is just super generic. It's like cat dog, monkey man, floating guy. Like... Well, there's a real lack of personality in the enemies. And I think like they could have totally sold me on the bland characters if they had a Freddy Krueger. If Walter Sullivan had been more like, uh, you know, Claudia or something or Dahlia, like there's a history of these creepy cult leader type people in the series that are really scary. Right. But it's not in this game. I don't think Walter Sullivan fills that role. I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, Walter Sullivan, when he is on screen, he's not super compelling. He's like, you know, the guy in the jacket that's shooting at you. Yeah. But his backstory and lore are super interesting. And him as the supernatural serial killer is also interesting to me. I No, I agree with you there. When he's on screen, he just plays like this bad guy. But, you know, you see Walter as a child and Walter as an adult. You empathize with him because he's, like, clearly led a life of abuse and neglect. And then, you know, when you see adult Walter, first you see him as, like, a broken man. And then you see him as, like, the merciless killer. So, you know, even though he's kind of, like, a not much of a character on screen... Even though, you know, fun fact, his face was meant to resemble Brendan Fraser. How could you not? Who has not eaten a banana on the toilet? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm going to defend Walter on this one. I, I guess Team Walter. Like, I don't disagree with you that it's a good idea. Or even that it's a good story or a good arc. I just don't think it's well told. And that's what I mean by the direction, ultimately, is that... I don't think the storytelling in this game is good. I think the ideas are interesting. I don't know. I, I I like I like the tying of you know because the hell worlds that you visit are Walter's personal hells. Sure. It's kinda like Silent Hill 2 in reverse. Like in this game it's not about you. It's about Walter's victims and it's about the people that live around you. You know, Henry is this guy that keeps to himself in his apartment. We don't know anything about him. We never learn anything about him. Like, we don't give a fuck about Henry. But we do give a fuck about the 21 victims of Walter Sullivan. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I I feel like this one is more... it, It gives you that feeling of, like, a murder mystery when you're, like, watching a murder mystery, like, movie or TV show, and you're, like learning all these details and parts of the plot with the detective as you go. And I think it really like captures that feeling because it's still revealing stuff up until the end of the game. And it's got some great like, Oh shit moments, you know? 
So, speaking on that, the game starts out and you're like in a nightmare version of your apartment. You don't realize it later, but you're not playing as Henry. You're playing as the previous tenant, Joseph Schreiber, as he's being killed by these ghosts. Right. And so, through the game, Henry is kind of driven by these notes he finds in his apartment that were written by Joseph before he died. It's like Joseph's notebook being piecemeal uh, given to him. Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's really about, like, Joseph's story, Walter's story, and all the people being murdered by Walter. And not really Henry's story at all. Yeah. Totally. Which I think is kind of interesting. It is interesting. I guess the thing that I sort of realized about this current playthrough I did was that, like I said, I just don't think the game has a lot of style. And I don't think it has a lot of... What? I, di- I don't. Like, what? In the way that the story is told. I think it's really weird and dry. Um, mm. And I think all these details are just kind of plopped in your lap in a lot of ways. And I really... agree with that. Sometimes you come back, you know, to your apartment and you just find a note under the door. Like, okay, we got another note. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I mean to say that in that way, it actually... Here, okay, here's where I'm at with this game, right? Here's where I'm at with this game. I think that originally I had sort of felt like this game was an underappreciated, like, top-tier horror game, PS2 horror Mm -hmm. game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just speaking of the canon of PS2 horror games, I think actually now this game to me is like a second-tier, like, PS2 horror game. The reason being that... It has cool ideas. It has cool atmosphere. It has some great visual moments, blah, blah, blah. But number one, like I said earlier, I don't think everything coheres. It doesn't come together in a satisfying way. But number two, it's way more interesting on paper than it is in the game. And I'm, Yes, I was going to say that. It, yeah. It's more fun to talk about the second half than it is to play the second half. Right. And in that regard, <laughs> I would say that it reminds me more of something like the original Fatal Frame or something like mm. Kuon, where when you write mm. it down, you're like, oh, that's cool. But then when you're playing the game, <laughs> this stuff is presented to you with such little style or flair and it's just plopped in your lap that you're just like, okay and if you just got done with a really stressful gameplay segment that was super unfun and then it's like here's your reward you're just kind of like yeah dude fuck that you know what i mean and so i think that that's kind of where i'm at with silent hill 4 yeah when so right after i beat the game i started it again just for fun just to see how like fast i could get through the first part and i basically powered through the first part of the game until i hit the prison world and i was like eh i think i'm done yeah you know um there becomes points where it's just not so fun anymore and you want to turn it off but i i did feel compelled to play it again because of all the juicy tidbits you know so yeah i i guess for me i kind of felt i i really strongly got that feeling that the game is actually more interesting on paper than it is to play so and i've played it a bunch of times in the past you know yeah so yeah, for sure i think i'm kind of having that moment you know where it's like i've already done this and i don't know but no, i i think that's that's sort of where i'm at i think that and especially after having recently played relatively recently played one two and three mm, with and yeah. with how much i love three i think four is just kind of like oh 
<laughs> okay. Like it's cool. Yeah. And I, I know I, I feel like I'm being really negative. Uh, and I'm not trying to be, it's just that once, like we talked about before, sometimes, especially with these survival horror games that have a really brutal ending, like mm-hmm. or ending stretch, it's so hard to get back in the mindset of like remembering the cool parts. Yeah. Even though I just did for a minute, like, yeah, it's, it's just so hard to get back there. Cause you're just remembering like, Oh, remember when I killed all those guys on the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> right. I try to not think about that. I'm, yeah. I'm trying, man. That hurt me. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, just thinking about, thinking back on the areas. Okay, so there's, you know, we talked about Subway World. You know, the big puzzle there is getting keys so you can get down to the right train platform. One thing I want to say about Subway World, I actually, sure, I, I actually really like this world. Uh, there's a, I do too. There's a cool, so it's like the Jacob's Ladder subway station thing Mm. it looks very similar to how it did in silent hill 3 i feel like this one's done better than the silent hill 3 subway world i agree and the thing that i really like about it is that it's basically a maze and Mm -hmm. it's really weird and stressful like that maze part where there's basically like a train track or like a subway track that has like three parked subways or two or three parked subway trains on it. Yeah. And you have to yeah. run through them and find like unlocked doors and open pathways you can get through. And there's ghosts. Mm-hmm. That part is very cool. And Tense. yeah, I thought that that was like a good use of ghosts, but then there's like sure. later areas where you're just trying to traverse and they're getting in your way. And that's when I didn't love mm-hmm. it. But I thought Subway World was really cool. I, I think it's one of the better... Maybe it's the best they've done that kind of idea in the series. Yeah, besides the garbage escalator, Subway World <laughs> is pretty top tier. And that's right at the end, too. It's like it's yeah. almost like, oh, and one more fuck you before you go. <laughs> right. Um, so after Subway World, you go to uh, Forest World, which is where you meet Jasper. Uh, and that's essentially like where the uh, orphanage is, Wish House. And that's where um, our serial killer grew up and was abused and indoctrinated into this Silent Hill cult. Yeah. This area is weird because it's basically like an X. And you have to go to all four extremes of the X to get certain items and continue through the game. The design of Forest World is just really weird. It's, It's not really linear, but you have to, like, I mean, you have to hit all four ends of that X, but... I don't know. It just feels really unique in its layout. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does feel kind of like a bad guy gauntlet because a lot of those areas are just like packed with cat dogs. Yeah. I think visually, I really love the design of this area. Yeah. It's creepy as fuck. Yeah. And it. And the sound design is great. The sound design is great. It's got some of that nonsense sound design from the older games where you just hear random screams and yells. You get to go to like a weird shrine. You get to go to Toluca Lake and stand at the edge of Toluca Lake. Like, yeah, it's a really cool segment. Um, I -hmm. wish more of the game had this look or had this vibe. Uh, And yeah, I also wish there weren't as many dumb enemies blocking the way because it does kind of like (laughs) it kills your vibe. I also this one has a weird puzzle, a couple weird puzzles. The key puzzle. Yeah. Okay, so. It gives you the solution if you look inside Jasper's car. Oh, I, I got it. Um, but if you don't read that note, you're fucked. Yeah. Well, the thing that took me forever to figure out was how to get him to offer me the key. And it was just because I forgot to look at one screen. 
Oh, like I okay. went to, to one of the paths and I didn't realize there was one more screen, but I had to go there and look at something and then go back. And then he's mm-hmm. like, I'll give you the key if you give me chocolate milk. Chalky milk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Chalky milk. Uh, yes. The correct pronunciation. PP. Uh, it's, it's, it, yeah. I don't know. That was kind of weird, but I actually really mm-hmm. like the key puzzle. Um, I thought yeah. that was that was a really cool like meta game thing. I don't know this this is probably my favorite area in the game. The key puzzle is uh, basically you pick up this cursed key, and if you if you go through a door into the next area, it just loops forever until you go back to your apartment, drop the key off into your item box, and then go back to forest world and then traverse and then get to where you need to be then you can grab your key right um it does feel like kind of like a a gameplay extension puzzle but yeah it is kind of unique and it if you don't read that note you're like really like what the fuck is going on i mean that puzzle did make me realize too that another thing that i think maybe hurts the flow a little bit is that going between the gameplay world normal gameplay world and your apartment it's kind of takes a minute it's a bit mm-hmm. long and so having to do it to solve that one puzzle you're like oh wow like <laughs> kind of takes a minute you know yeah pro tip you can skip the uh the whole cutscenes if you just smash that start button yeah so there's a lot of incessantly smashing the start button on the smashers game. dude i know i think i almost like broke my ps2 control my ps2 controller is <laughs> on death's door and i think this playthrough of sh4 is like kind of sending it to hell <laughs> uh all right so after forest world we have prison world which is a panopticon style prison world uh panopticon is a uh, circular prison designed to have the uh prison guard watch everyone without being seen by the prisoners it's it's like a it's kind of like a psychological torture prison design sure it's meant to be real fit in effi- it's meant to be real efficient but it ends up being cruel <laughs> so yeah apparently some of the kids at the orphanage were sent here to be prisoners and many died but the doors broke, so they had to, like, drill holes in the floor to get prisoners out. And this ends up being uh, a big traversal puzzle, because essentially, you know, the um, the Panopticon is kind of like uh, a three-layer cake, and you can rotate some of the floors to line up the holes so you can jump in and get to the basement. This is probably my least favorite area in the game, even though it is super fucking creepy and it has really great atmosphere and creepy moments, um, it just seems really goofy and corny and not nearly enough tied into reality. I don't know. I, you know, I actually really like this part of the game because it's so weird and creepy and I actually kind of wondered if it was like a metaphor. You know? Sure. Like, I don't yeah. think, I don't know if this place is supposed to be real like maybe this is how walter felt at an orphanage sure maybe a little bit of kind of our silent hill fan theory going on here on my part (laughs) but not ashamed um it's so it's so specific about the panopticon style design yeah i don't know and then one of our victim ghosts was a guard at the prison so yeah so it's it's weird but you know, I wondered. I wondered if it was a, an exact representation of 
like a real place or if it was supposed to be a right. metaphor, but it is weird and creepy. Right. It's got the vibes. It's like an old, wet and rusting uh like tower with multiple levels. And like I mentioned earlier, there's like this weird shoot system. There's all these bloody beds and nooses. It gets under your skin. Mm. Also, yeah. like let, let me just I mentioned it earlier, but like the one amazing enemy in this game is in this area. Or the first time you see it is in this area. <laughs> this yeah. is fucking giant creepy ostrich with like two skull faces. It's more of an owl, I would say. It's like a mix between a barn owl and two <laughs> dead children. All right. Well, if I saw a barn owl that big, I would fucking leave this earth. So I'm going to go with ostrich. <laughs> I'm going to stick with ostrich. But yeah. And so like the first time you see it, it's just chilling in the hallway, pointing one of its claws at you like a finger. It's just pointing at you. Oh my God. It's so scary. And then you like pull yeah. out your gun and it fucking runs at you. Holy shit. Mm-hmm great bad guy design oh my god and the design of having it in the hallway just pointing at you mm-hmm. holy shit dude like wait so creepy you actually used your gun <laughs> that's i was gonna bring this up earlier but the guns are fucking useless in this game it's literally the one part where the gun is useful is that mm. in that area against that enemy yeah, yeah. there's the gun only holds 10 bullets and each clip takes up an inventory slot yeah uh which which renders it like completely useless unless you like going back and forth between your apartment constantly yeah my pro tip for this is grab that rusty axe as early as you can and just use the rusty axe for the entire fucking game yeah never pick up the golf clubs no unless you like completing dumb golf club things yeah don't do it um but yeah like ah i loved that enemy design i don't know this area had the most like cool set pieces and and scares in a procedural way like stuff that you would just encounter in the world that was like creepy or scary Mm -hmm. and like i said i feel like the rest of the game is a little bit light on that either because it's so combat heavy or because it's mostly relying on the cutscenes to sell that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. i really i actually i thought this area was really cool the little forest world prison world chunk of this game i was i was vibing with a lot prison world has a couple like supernatural moments too like you'll be like reading a note in um in a prison cell and all of a sudden you'll hear a guard walk by yeah things like that are really cool yeah so after prison world the fat guy dies of course (laughs) and uh you go to building world which i think is one of the coolest and most unique areas of the game the big problem with building worlds is that it's filled with monkey men (sighs) yeah (laughs) but um yeah building world is this like strange amalgamation of like this hellish outside area where it's it seems like it's like balconies and fire escapes all mixed together with indoor areas that make a little more sense like a bar and a sporting goods store and a pet store i mean just the way that the indoor and outdoor areas are put together is just really strange and nonsensical but it makes like a great like um like puzzly gameplay area i don't know how to explain it it's just so bizarre and nonsensical that i really like it a lot 
I do appreciate the nonsense architecture of this area. I guess like visually it just didn't do much for me. Then the monkey mm -hmm. men, the monkey men did not do anything for me. <laughs> I will say the first time I saw one, I laughed. So yeah. that yeah. it got a reaction. I mean, was Masahiro Ito uh, responsible for the monster designs in this one? A <laughs> good cue. It doesn't seem like it, man. Like, yeah. I really don't know what's going on with the monsters in this game. Cause like they kind of struck out except for just one or two bad guys. Yeah. yeah. Like let's, let's, let's run them down quick. Okay. All right. We got cat dogs. They look sort of like leopards, but more dog like, and they make cat noises. Um, They're dogs with big tongues and they <laughs> lick things Yeah, and they make kitty cat sounds. Yeah. So then you've got the amazing barn owl ostrich man, like twin victim. Yeah. Uh, I liked my name better. Um, but okay. Twin, twin victim. <laughs> Uh, they they represent the two kids that Walter killed. Yeah, Billy and Miriam. This is this was mentioned in that note in Silent Hill too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But amazing enemy design. So that's one of the exceptions. Yeah. Like great stuff. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the Monkey Mans. They're just Monkey Mans. They're terrible, and they can steal, steal your golf clubs. <laughs> yeah, and beat you with them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just mm -hmm. another reason to not use a damn golf club. Uh, yeah. All right, you've got your wall mans, who are mans <laughs> who come out of the wall. They suck. So stupid. Uh, then you've got the sort of moth mosquito bird mans. Yeah. Uh, they suck a lot. They're literally just annoyance enemies. Just like, time You'll walk into an area and there will be like four incessantly like buzzing around your head. Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. we've got maybe, maybe, maybe the best, the gassy boys. <laughs> I fucking hate these. They're called the patients and they're like nine foot tall. Like they look kind of androgynous to me. They have like female and male characteristics and they like hit you with a pipe. I guess they're, they're like the closest equivalent to the classic silent hill nurse in this game. Yeah. But when you hit them, they burp and it's so fucking stupid yeah. and not scary. And you can knock them down the stairs and they burp a bunch. Yeah. There's a great YouTube video of that. Yeah. You got to look it <laughs> up, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, like I was saying, I think the marquee sort of boss ghosts design are awesome, but then there's also just normal ghosts that appear in the world and they just look like blocky, low poly people who float around in dirty clothes. <laughs> well, the normal ghosts all have cool backstories too. Um, they're all the original uh, victims of Walter Sullivan from before the, the events of the game. Um, so even if they are annoying, uh, they still have a cool place in the game. They I don't think. look cool though. And that's what I'm on about right now. Oh, I'm just going to mention the, since we're talking about building world, the first time you discover one of those swords of obedience is in building world. And it's in a really cool scene. Yeah. Yeah. You walk into this guy's apartment. He's another victim of Sullivan. He killed him right after the, uh, the pet store guy. You walk into this guy's apartment and it's his birthday. You know, there's like a birthday cake on the table and stuff. And you hear these like disgusting, like gurgling sounds coming from somewhere. And Henry just like grabs his head because his head hurts. And so you walk and the camera angle changes and you see this like ghost, like gasping for air and like gurgling its death rattle on the floor while it's being pinned by the sword. Yeah. Um, it's just such a really cool little scene. And it's an interesting way to 
um, introduce this new gameplay mechanic, right? Because you pull the sword out, and this dude's going to start fucking chasing you immediately. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. It, it is cool. I agree with that. Um, is Building World a place where there's, like, the room full of wheelchairs flying around? Uh, so that starts in hospital world but oh, then okay. later in building world 2 you get all the hospital uh, okay. wheelchairs yeah that's really goofy is that an enemy <laughs> it is really goofy yeah so there's 21 victims of walter solomon all the ghosts are unique and then the victims that aren't accounted for there are that number of hospital wheelchairs oh isn't that kind of dumb but it's kind of cool at the same time. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and then there's Twin Victim, which are the two child victims. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's this game in a nutshell, man. It's just like... <laughs> it's it's like... See, this is why I made that Pixies analogy earlier. And I swear to God, I'm not going to just start talking about the Pixies again. Um, but it's like... This game is so weird and so different from the rest of the franchise. And it's the one that most people, including myself, have played the least... Mm. so you keep wanting to come back to it because it's always going to be fascinating on a certain Mm -hmm. level there's so many why kind of moments like why would you do that why would you make that choice um (laughs) so just like the last pixies record where it's like going to be just forever fascinating because it's like why would you do that you know what i mean yeah but at the same time like when you actually take it all into account and put it all together you're like huh i don't know how i feel about this and the thing with that pixies record like i say right now i listen to it all the time but i've got my finger on the fucking skip button dude because it's like Mm -hmm. a record and I'm listening to yeah. my old CD copy or I'm listening to it on Spotify. And when a song that I think is just absolute Bobo comes up, I can hit next. <laughs> you can't do that with Silent Hill 4. So I think I found it to be a more... When I'm making this uh, comparison, I think Silent Hill 4 is more frustrating. You know? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like there's like all the backstory about the victim, some of the weird shit that's in the game. You're just like why is this even in here but at the same time it 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 creates some of the like gonzo atmosphere of this game you know yeah totally so after the nonsense of building world you go to apartment world which is essentially henry's apartment building yeah and but it's like a hellish twisted version this one like subway world is very reminiscent of the classic silent hill dungeon designs yeah You're going to go down every hallway. You're going to check every apartment room. And each door that doesn't have a broken lock, you're going to go in and explore and collect items, right. etc. Um, Eileen is the victim of this area, but she doesn't get killed. She just gets maimed really badly. Um, I think the child version of Walter saves her or yeah. something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then, so... Um, you wake up and Eileen's not dead, but you know, the EMTs have taken her from next door. And uh the next area you explore is hospital world, which is kind of like a really short stage, but it's kind of memorable for a couple scenes. M- most famously the the one room where you just walk in and it's like a giant twitchy Jacob's at Jacob's ladder, Eileen head. Classic Silent Hill moment. Great moment. Yeah. 
But yeah, this is where the game switches gears and you save Eileen and she's following you for the rest of the game. Uh, at this point, Eileen's with you forever, except for when you go to your apartment building. She takes damage. She gets more and more bloody. Yeah. If she gets hurt too much, she starts losing her mind and saying creepy shit and doing creepy things. And um, you'll get a bad ending. Yeah. Uh, so keep her alive. You can heal her with holy candles. Um, but you really only want to do that like right at the end of the game. Yeah. So and the and the next thing that changes here is that your apartment becomes haunted. Yeah. Um, you can no longer heal in your apartment. Some areas of your apartment might become haunted, like the windows will open and close on their own, or like the sink will turn on and blood will come out of the sink. So you can put a holy candle in front of those things and exercise the demons. Yeah, for sure. And so this is a good moment to mention two things, which is number one, it's at this point that the whole game just becomes a gauntlet. And <laughs> yeah, essentially. It's to the game's detriment. The other thing is that we should talk about how similar this is to PT because at this point in the game, it's like so PT. Yeah. It's really shocking coming back and playing this seeing how many cues pt took from it and apparently this is hideo kojima's favorite silent hill game i mean i, I read on the internet that he he hundred percented it a couple times so interesting you know take that with a grain of salt because it's an internet comment but right um yeah it's it's undeniable the first person viewpoint obviously but then it's also just the themes which we'll get to you know, dealing with childbirth, um, the appearance of like fetuses and umbilical cords, these mm-hmm. sort of nonsense and architecture, dreamlike uh, progression, yeah. um, things like that. Like it's clear. There's even a spooky refrigerator yeah, haunting. A spooky refrigerator. <laughs> uh, it, it's clearly sort of in the style of PT, or PT was in the yeah. style of this game. What's interesting though is that, like I was saying, that once the game really gets going with that aspect of it and the apartment really becomes dangerous, you actually realize why PT worked better, which is that it didn't have like a health bar and items mm. and stuff like that. And this type of horror is actually much better without those real traditional gamey elements. Mm. Interesting. Whereas in this, in this game, it's just kind of frustrating, especially, yeah, like the dual uses of candles and the dual uses of various items and things. Yeah, because the candles are finite. So you can only uh, exercise so many of the hauntings in your house. So you might leave like something that's you don't need to get too haunted just because you like never have to go to that corner or whatever. Right. Well, and that's part of the completion criteria for getting a good ending. But it's like something weird. I read it's like you have to do 80% of the hauntings or something like it's so yeah. weird. 80% of the hauntings and you have to beat the last boss in a fast enough amount of time yeah. because in the last scene eileen essentially like kills herself but depending on how much damage she's accrued through the game she'll kill herself faster right so you just have to like beat the last boss fast enough but you know like i said there's a finite number of those holy candles and you can heal eileen right before the last boss right you essentially just have to burn a candle in front of her and she'll slowly regenerate so Pro tip, save one holy candle for right before the last boss. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and yeah. So at this point in the game, it's basically just a big gauntlet. You're running through your apartment. Yeah. 
you're running through the levels and areas, the stress and tension get ratcheted up. And I mean, adding some tension to the apartment stuff is cool. You know, there was an apartment stage in Silent Hill, what, all of them? Yeah. Uh, but I feel like this is like the best designed one. And and the second time you go through it, it changes enough about it that it really, apartment world one and two are definitely like highlights of this game. I don't know. I Like I said earlier, I actually really visually liked the earlier areas better. Um, mm. I thought, especially the way that they string together the later areas without anything to break it up, it got a little samey for me. Mm. Like, um, going from building to apartment to hospital, not having any open world sections like you would have in the older games. Um, I think these areas are all good on their own, but uh, yeah, it just it got a little samey for me. Not gonna lie. Mm. Yeah, apartment world does some some cool things especially the last time you go through it just because it's like the last stretch of the game. Yeah. Um, Walter's stalking you in certain areas. Um, there are a ton of ghosts. Uh, the, the progression becomes nonsensical. There might be staircases like in the apartments themselves instead of like out in the hallways. Yeah. Um, there are some puzzles like, you have to find these like uh, like hanging body ghost things. Uh, I don't know. It, it it's just kind of cool. And and like the music changes uh, tone completely towards the end of the game. Yeah. And it becomes almost like calming and relaxing. It's really weird. Yeah, for sure. Oh, also side note: if you notice, we haven't talked about the music at all. Uh, that's on purpose. It's because it's a zero brightness plus episode. Yeah. <laughs> We're digging in. Yeah, we'll get there. And the bonus. Yeah. All right. So, you know, after Hospital World, you end up going through the entire game again. Uh, you and Eileen go to Subway World, and essentially all the all of Walter's victims have become sort of like little mini bosses in each of the areas. The, the first one, you know, is, of course, Claudia, like Ringu Lady. You can choose to pin her down with a sword. But essentially, now the stages become like puzzles on like, okay, how the hell am I going to get Eileen to the end? Yeah. Because she's got a broken arm. She can't climb ladders and she can't do things like that. So you basically have to escort her through the stages. And once you get to the end of the stage, you bring her down this like increasingly creepy like spiral hallway. Yeah. Filled with crazy Jacob's Ladder imagery. Yeah. Uh, I like love these little sections. Yeah, this was one of the coolest things in the game. Was like the nonsense architecture connecting all the areas. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, you know, like all these, all, all the areas are stringed together with these spiral hallways until you get to the end of apartment world again. Um, there's a really fucking cool cutscene dream in apartment world two where Henry finally gets back to his apartment and he's visited by the ghost of uh, the journalist that lived there before him. Uh -huh. And it's... Personally, I think it's the coolest cutscene in the history of the Silent Hill series. Like, uh, his name is Joseph Schreiber and he comes out of the ceiling as like a black silhouette ghost and he tells you how to stop Walter but he's saying it in this very slow monotone way 
like the way that Kyle McLaughlin would talk in the Black Lodge. Sure. And it's all echoey and reverberating. He's just like repeating, like, you have to kill him, kill him, kill him, kill. And it's just so fucking creepy and cool. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's one of the best pieces of direction in the entire series. Yeah, it's a cool scene. Um, fucking love it. And like I said, I mean, there's actually a lot of really cool little cutaways uh, yeah. in this game. It'll just be weird little things, like just a shot of a ghost emerging or like a shot of a new area. But it'll be all like, it'll look like it has kind of VHS type blur on it and mm-hmm. well, either have no color or like really saturated color. I mean... This game has a lot of weird experimental ideas. Just the basic structure of the game being that you go between like an old school survival horror game and this crazy first person combat free exploration game is like a pretty wild experimental idea. The idea that, you know, you can't kill some of the enemies in the game and other enemies you have to kill every single one you see. It's it feels like a like they're testing a lot of new ideas and trying mm. new shit. I mean ultimately, I mean, we talked a little bit in the beginning about the some of the cultural and environmental forces that made people predisposed to dislike this game. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that really sucks is this game was clearly kind of a testing ground for what was gonna be Silent Hill five. Sure. You know, like a big yeah you know next gen like a ps3 type game that would have you know carried forward a lot of these new crazy ideas they were trying and we never got that game and now we're like Bummer, huh? never going to so yeah there's right. certain stuff where you're just like ah oh, fuck like that would have been cool you know yeah yeah at this point in the game you get one of the coolest oh shit what the fuck moments in the history of the series if you were observant enough going through apartment world, you may have realized that everyone else's apartments is bigger than yours. And your, your apartment's basically like truncated in size. Um, the ghost of Joseph tells you that um, Walter's close. So it turns out that like Walter like killed himself and like walled up the wall in, inside your apartment. So you pickaxe the wall down and you find uh, Walter's corpse like crucified in this like really creepy like it looks like a scene out of uh, we're going to mention it again. It looks like a scene out of seven or something. Yeah, totally. But he's he's like crucified on this like metal cross with all these like tubes of blood running into him from like a refrigerator. Um, and you're seeing it all in first person because it's back in your apartment. It, it's it's such a great what the fuck moment like especially the first time i played this game in 2004 it really blew me away yeah it's a it's a super crazy scene and i mean so i was, I was alluding to this earlier but the whole plot of the game is super fucking weird like for the first few hours you have no idea what is going on or why anything is happening like Mm -hmm. at all and then you start getting but you're being drip fed this info right and you start to realize that it's all about this dude walter sullivan and then you're kind of learning that he was like raised in this cult and blah blah blah. and then you essentially find out that the whole thing is just a plot by him to complete this weird ritual by Mm -hmm. killing 21 people 
and that you and Eileen are the last two that he needs to kill and that he's basically just yeah, he's basically Freddy Krueger and he's been in your wall <laughs> the whole time <laughs> it's so creepy yeah so it turns out he was born in your apartment and his parents like clearly weren't ready to be parents so they just abandoned him and for some reason the superintendent found and kept the umbilical cord yeah i don't i don't get the umbilical cord stuff so somehow that ties walter to this building and walter thinks that the apartment is his mommy yeah and he wants to come live in the womb again yeah so walter is crazy as shit and he wants to i don't know if it's a literal or metaphorical reincarnation where he wants to return to the womb which is your Uh apartment because it was his apartment because he was born there and so he decides that he's going to murder 21 people in order to return to the (laughs) womb it's a lot Mm -hmm. yeah and I mean, we didn't even talk about a lot of the story, like and no. his background and stuff. You'll just have to play the game yeah. to like get all the insanity. But um, yeah. it is quite the reveal. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. I mean, like I don't even know. Do we? Do you need to talk about the ending, or do you want to talk about the themes in this game? Because like, what? Well, yeah, let's talk about the themes because then we could talk about the ending afterwards, maybe. But because the the game doesn't really have much of an ending, it's not great. Yeah. Well, so Silent Hill Two dealt with sex a lot, right? Uh-huh. There was a lot of um, allusions to uh, James Sunderland being sort of. Uh, he's become impotent and you know his wife wouldn't like you know give him affection blah 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 yeah so that and then he has this like double of his wife that's all sexy and everything his wife wouldn't be or whatever this game deals more with like uh child rearing and childbirth there's a lot of um there's a lot of like visual um like vaginal stuff yeah like everything is like a womb or a canal of like a birth canal you know yeah um yeah like harry's always crawling into these canals and he's always waking up in the fetal position uh yeah yeah as in most silent hill games there's a bunch of vaginal imagery there's a bunch of you know entrances and exits of various levels of tastefulness or tastelessness um mm-hmm. of course and there's i don't know so i harped on Silent hill 2 for sort of like approaching these like heady and heavy themes and then sort of not dealing with them or backing away from them mm-hmm. Silent hill 4 it's not quite like that it's more like it just comes at the whole fucking thing sideways because here's here's my read on it right like so you've got this guy walter and he's basically like an incel mass shooter. Like right. he thinks he needs to yeah. murder other people so that he can return to the womb because he hates his mother who's not there and he feels that his life has been unfair to him. So he's going mm-hmm. to commit atrocities in order to metaphorically return to the womb. Right. Uh, he's like eight chan as fuck. <laughs> but then you've got these other characters who are trapped in his world and they sort of fall into like the archetypes of 
his world and his view on the world, which is really sure. strange. And let me explain this. So basically you've got Harry, right? Is that his name? <laughs> I Henry. literally keep forgetting Henry. his name. So Henry. like super bland, right? <laughs> but he keeps getting into these weird relationships with all the women around him. So sure. first he meets Cynthia, who's someone that he doesn't even fucking know at all, right? Well, he doesn't really know. And yeah, he doesn't really know any of these people, but he meets her and then he's immediately like, I need to protect her. And then she dies, but not before like propositioning him while dying. Yeah. I mean, let's back up here. The first time you meet Cynthia, uh-huh. she thinks she's in a dream. So she wants to have fun. Yeah. She comes on to Harry hard as fuck. She basically throws herself at Harry. Yeah. I mean, fucking Henry. God damn it. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to destroy us and eight Chan for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, she throws herself at him. And then as she's dying right before her death rattle exits her lips, she laments the fact that she didn't jump his bones when she had a chance. And she literally does not know him. She thinks she's yeah. in a dream. And it's just like so weird and ridiculous, right? She's trying to fuck. She's she trying to fuck. Uh, <laughs> there's like fucking sirens going off right now in my neighborhood. Oh, nice. Silent Hill. Silent Hill. Put, throw some reverb on them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I hope it picked Do up. Do a little pitch yeah. shifting. Um, but yeah, so like, that's Cynthia. And then the other female character... Eileen. ...in the game is Eileen. Yeah. And this one... I mean, so that was bad, right? Cynthia's like, that was pretty bad. But then Eileen is worse, actually, because she's basically a woman that you've been spying on. secretly watching and essentially becoming obsessed with for no reason. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's some really creepy, uncomfortable stuff, like real deal, uncomfortable stuff. Like you can look through the window or you can look through the hole and she's shaving her armpits. I think. Yeah. Like I immediately (laughs) turned that off because I was like, this is fucking gross. Yeah. Or she's like sitting on her bed and you can like see up her mini skirt a little. (sighs) Like it makes you feel like a creep. Right. And purposefully. So then later she almost dies and then suddenly you become her protector. You're the white knight. Yeah. And you're literally only doing it because you have this creepy, weird obsession with her. You've never spoken to her in real life. Right. She only she she even makes it a point to say like she only knows his name. Yeah, exactly. And so here's like my thing with this, right? Is that these characters don't have much depth or personality of their own, and in the case of the mm-hmm. protagonist, there's literally none. So then I don't how am I supposed to take it when they start doing this like weird fucked up shit, right? Cuz on the one hand yeah. it's like okay, I guess we're inside Walter Sullivan's mental hellscape. So maybe we're taking on some of his creepy and weird attitudes or Mm -hmm. is it just that we're just like kind of a bland piece of shit and like we're just doing bad stuff. I think this goes into another big theme of this game, which is isolationism Mm -hmm. and lack of human contact and specifically uh, the Japanese hikikomori culture. 
right of shut-ins and people that never leave their house or apartment right and uh, you know when you're shut off from society and you yearn for human contact you're probably going to be a fucking creep yeah so do the silent hill fucking alarms dude that's sick can you hear it yeah they're really going for i mean they test the they test the alarm system the first wednesday of every month but it's oh, like weird really loud today <laughs> it's weather it's probably just because it's warmer than it's been in a while mm. it's like you know it's like turning into spring which is not gonna last but for us spring is uh da, 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 38 degrees <laughs> wow yeah that's spring um <laughs> i live in silent hill it's like gray and cold and yeah but like okay so i bring up all this stuff or like i want to talk about this stuff because like i don't know i i once again playing returning to silent hill 2 it was like oh like some of this stuff is fucked up right mm-hmm. and i kind of knew i was gonna have that response but then coming back to this game i'm like this is all like really fucked up actually because i'm having a hard time figuring out where the character's voyeurism ends and the player's voyeurism begins right and i also think that they clearly have some interesting themes and interesting influences like even just mentioning coin locker babies which has a lot of these same themes but i don't i don't know if they have anything to say about it i don't feel like this game has anything to say yeah, you could you could even look at under the lens of, uh, you know, this is all Henry's problem in Henry's life, and he's like projecting these issues onto Eileen to become part of her life. You know, it's yeah. it's almost like a an emotional manipulation. And if you see it under that light, Henry's not really the hero of the game. You know? Yeah. Well, and she becomes such an integral part of the game. Mm-hmm. that the fact that there's no discussion of any of this is like disturbing to me and mm-hmm. then it also especially with like the good ending which i totally did not get by the way but i watched a video of it and i was like <laughs> i was like oh wow it can end like that you know like i kind of preferred all the other silent hill game stories to this despite my issues with them like I thought Silent Hill 2's was better because at least it had a concrete through line and it at least had a thought at the center of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I like Silent Hill 3's better because it's more fun. Um, and, you know, Silent Hill 1 is is just solid as fuck. I think playing this one, I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know what they were trying to say here. And it was funny because it reminded me of the now infamous incident where that dude, like, co-opted the Silent Hill fan wikia to write about circumcision everywhere do you know about this you've heard about this <laughs> no i do not uh, i'm sorry to rehash this because i know whitney listens and it was like a really bad thing for her i'm sure but uh like uh basically this dude like co-opted the silent hill fan wikia to say that like this game was all about like circumcision and how like circumcision is male genital mutilation and it's like this crazy holocaust that's happening to men every day what uh yeah and he's basically just like a crazy like incel wingnut psychopath and it was this whole fucking or you can read about it online it's crazy um (laughs) i'd rather not i'm surprised you haven't heard of this it 
it's I don't know it's crazy so anyway it's funny because like when I first read about that I was like that's nuts right but then I play this game again and I'm like I don't know dude like not that I agree that guy is totally wrong and a psycho but Walter Sullivan is like kind of an incel bastard and it's like he is oh my god like what if this game is just like about this fucking creepy incel 4chan lurker guy <laughs> oh god but because your character also acts like a creepy 4chan incel lurker like he's just mm. a weirdo and he's just like looking at women through peepholes and then like trying to be their hero and it's just like oof it did not make me feel good hmm yeah yeah it it really brings into question uh, Hen- Henry's nature as a blank slate. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like you're you're projecting. Henry gets to be the mirror of society. Yeah, but then he has to do like bad stuff. Like he has to act like a creep. Mm. And so it's like, well, then am I saying that like I'm okay with acting like a creep? You know what I mean? Because I'm not. You have to save her from herself. Yeah, and that's gross too. Like, am I okay with like, you know, just treating this woman like a child? You know, it's just like weird. And it. He's just trying to be a nice guy. God damn it, James. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess my point is that I don't think this game is, you know, evil and made by incels. But I think that because of the themes that they try and tackle, just like with the other Silent Hill games, when you don't deal with the themes that you bring up, you can accidentally create something pretty negative. And I feel like this game is sort of the logical yeah. conclusion of that. It did that. Yeah. Which I think it makes it interesting to talk about because they they totally botched that landing. And it does kind of make it about something else. Like, we don't know anything about Henry and except that he's a fucking creep that like looks up his neighbor's skirt. So it totally recontextualizes like everything about Silent Hill four. Right. Exactly. And we don't know anything about Eileen either. The only person that we know anything about is Walter Sullivan, notable Mm HN user and mass murderer. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. It left me with like a very weird bad Mm. feeling more than silent hill 2 because with silent hill 2 i was like this game is flawed this story is flawed but it didn't Mm -hmm. make me like turn on it you know i just Mm. it made me it recontextualized it in a different way and it made me think about that oh there are people for whom like this would not be just like an easy read like it is for me Mm. because i'm not like you know someone who's experienced these certain things but like with this game, I kind of did make me turn on it a little bit. I think that might be the source of some of my negativity towards it. Cause like it's fucking yeah. election year, man, bad vibes, but it, it, it does give you a lot to chew on and looking at it in that different context. It, I, I, you know, I think so there's a lot of like lore on silent Hill two and three online, and there's not much on silent Hill four. And maybe that's where the discussion of this game should be because it's interesting to talk about. It's more interesting to talk about than it is to like play. Yes. Like I'll give you that totally. And that's what I've been saying this whole time. And I think this for me is just sort of like the thing that typifies that the most. Cause even mm-hmm. like, okay, let's, what's, what's the ending? Let's talk about the ending. Oh, so 
uh, under where where you find Walter Sullivan's crucified body, underneath the crucifix is like a black hole, and you jump into it and you wake up in the fetal position in this like weird event horizon nuclear generator room. Sure. And essentially, you gotta like you gotta stab the last boss with a bunch of spears and kill Walter. But essentially, the whole time, uh, Eileen's walking towards the Event Horizon nuclear generator. And if you don't kill him fast enough, she dies. Yeah. So there's four endings to the game. Uh, Eileen can live or Eileen can die. And the good ending, essentially, you just come back and Eileen's alive in the hospital and you bring her flowers because you've manipulated her into this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and then like she's literally like i guess i gotta find a new place to live and then the fucking full house music starts playing and that's the end of the game <laughs> where is my mind starts <laughs> <laughs> the full house theme song in the style of where is my mind yeah it's just ridiculous it's like this this is the ending also, I'm pretty sure that there's like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie with the like slowly walking the plank while your friends try and save you thing happens. <laughs> and that like is totally the last scene of this game. Yeah. It's so stupid. And that's when I was like, wait a minute. This plot is maybe like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that ending of the game or and the last boss is like equivalent to the fart sound when you hit the bad guy with the axe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the bad ending is actually way more interesting because it's at least the bad like, ending's cool it's open-ended the really bad ending's cool because the superintendent gets murdered along with five cops yeah. and walter gets away so <laughs> yeah there you go uh it's it's funny because it also made me think about silent hill 2 which is i believe something i said in that episode and if not well i'm saying it now friends which is that I think that despite the problems with that story, the open-ended nature of it is a big saving grace. Mm. And that like the fact that they don't explain every single little thing to you saves the story because you sort of fill in the blanks and you sort of make your own connective tissue there. Mm. As opposed to in this game, I think this game is over-explained. I think there's too much information. And so you really start to think about these things. Like, it's vague in the stuff at the periphery, like at the edges of the plot. Like, how is this all even happening? Where are you actually physically going when you go through the hole? Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the center of the plot, there's almost like too much info. Hmm. And that's why I start to think about these themes in a critical way and pick them apart because it's like, oh, well, I can actually see that you are taking a position here because you've given me a lot of info to, to work with, you know? And I like that less. I liked the vague, I always like the vague approach better, but I think especially if you're going to deal with problematic themes and not have fully thought them through and not have a great landing worked out, I'd rather you just keep it vague so I can shoot you some bail if I feel like it, you know? Like... <laughs> I can't shoot this game any bail, dude. Okay, so well, that's a lot to chew on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what what is the what is the uh, all in all big picture TLDR? Where does this game land? It's the trompe le monde of the, of the original Silent Hill games. It's <laughs> it's a mess. It kind of sucks and it kind of rules. Like, yeah. 
it is going to be forever fascinating because of the batshit choices they made but it's also never going to be as good or as fun as satisfying as the other games in the series because of those same choices is it a must play well and that's you know that's why i said earlier that i'd move it okay so silent hill two and three to me are like top tier great ps2 survival horror games like you have to play them i think i would bump this game down a tier because like i said it's got interesting ideas but they don't all come together it's more interesting to talk about and read about than it is to play i think with games like that in that tier if you just want more they're great Mm. to play like we said about kuon it's like we both we didn't agree exactly about kuon but we both agreed that if you love ps2 survival horror like we do and you would just play any classic ps2 survival horror game you gotta play kuon yeah it doesn't suck no yeah i'd say this game to me now replaying it belongs more in that category Mm. and i think it could have been a bumped up a tier if it had had even more crazy ideas that would have worked out for the game Hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) I would consider it a must-play just because of what it broke ground on, especially in the context of how crazy people are for PT. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, I think it's a must-play. Um, it's it's flawed. I mean, it's not perfect. It's definitely not as flawed as something like Deadly Premonition, but it's still fucking flawed. It's two hours too long, um, but it's... I don't know. I find I found moments of it extremely compelling and then moments of it extremely annoying and where I had to force myself not to turn it off. Yeah. Escalator. Totally. And I think but see, it's interesting that you bring up Deadly Premonition, which you should know now you never should cuz we'll start talking about it. <laughs> That's what I mean when I say that it could have been a higher tier game or a better game overall to me if it had more crazy ideas that like added to the game. Because Deadly Premonition is just like a game of crazy ideas and every idea is crazier than the last and makes the game better. (laughs) You know what I mean? This game isn't like that. I think a lot of its craziest ideas are like that plot stuff we were talking about and it's like, whoa, that's like bad. And the Mm -hmm. big crazy idea was like the first person sections, which are actually good. And I totally agree that it's like groundbreaking. It's maybe the most forward thinking PSG survival horror game I can't really think of another one that like was so far ahead of its time really yeah I mean just look 10 years into the future and then we have games like amnesia and all the spook em ups and hide em ups you know yeah like I say and I mean it's just right around the corner I think now that's kind of what people think of as horror games yep which wasn't the case at the time I mean at this time uh, frictional was just getting started so like that wouldn't have even have been an influence like those penumbra games that were just coming out and that's like even that is way ahead of its time you know it would still mm-hmm. be quite a ways before it becomes normal to have like first person you know horror type games so mm-hmm. yeah i agree it's just weird i didn't expect to feel the way that i feel i have such fond memories of this game i have like had a lot of fun playing it back in the day i've always thought that three and four were underrated and i don't know 
playing three just strengthened my resolve to be like, yes, three is fucking underrated. But playing this one, I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird. It deserves its um, kind of sorted uh, audience reaction. I think so. I mean, like I said, I think it kind of got it for the wrong reason. Like, I think people are actually kind of dumb. But like... <laughs> And, like, people just saying that, like, well, it's not even a real Silent Hill game. It's like, that's stupid. It is a real Silent Hill game. But that aside, I do think the mixed reaction totally makes sense. Like, this is not a slam dunk of a game by any means. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still going to give it uh, four out of five stars because you got to play it. (laughs) I'm going to say... Maybe a little biased, but, uh, yeah. I'm going to give it a big your mileage will vary out of 10. <laughs> That's my rating. But you know, it's like you might love this game. Like you might play and love this game or you might play it and be like, what the fuck is this? You might play an hour of this and just shut it the fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. All right. Well, game club, game club. God, well, this was our 50th episode or yeah, something. Fuck. 50 episodes, so, uh, dude. Hey, guys. Ali here. So we recorded a game club segment that was super fucking wrong because uh, our release schedule got all messed up. So I'm here to make it all right. Uh, so next week, we're actually going to be talking about The Sinking City. It's a very special guest episode. You'll have to wait and see what that's all about. And then after that, we are going to bump the schedule to cover a certain new release you may have heard about. And following that is Dino Crisis. Uh, So yeah, get to play in Dino Crisis. Maybe wait to check out The Sinking City or do whatever you want. I don't know. I'm not your dad. But you know what? I do love you. So, I don't know. That's kind of weird. All right. Well, you know, have a good day at school. Uh, Make sure you eat your lunch. Uh, Left $5 in your backpack in case you have to buy anything. Um, Oh, God. The music's ending. This is the end of the episode, isn't it? Oh, God damn it.